ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. From some of the best elk hunters in the world. Across the canyon, pop up the other side and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off and say, I'm the best one, not you. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them. you got to close that distance really quick on him. And if he's going to engage that much, that's a dead bull. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. All right, so we're just going to jump right into this. Mr. Tony Gilbertson, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How are you doing, guy? Excellent, man. Excellent. I'm excited for this. You know, we talked. It's been well over two weeks ago, and we 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 shared we shared so much in that conversation that I didn't want to record too close after it because it always feels like when it's that close together, it's like you're trying to rehash the things that you did, and it has less. Uh, Let's feel and, and and moment to it, if you will. So I was like, hey, we're gonna push this a couple of weeks, and I've been anxious, dude. I'm like, I hope Tony doesn't jump on anything else. <laughs> yeah. huh. no, I've uh, actually since uh, since I spoke with you and since Jermaine told me about all this, I was I was anxious as well. As well, I think this is I think it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to I can't wait to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, brother. We'll give them a give them a little background, man, and we'll just start jumping into it. You know, let us know who Tony is, where you hail from, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, well, currently, I well, for the last I should say thirty two years, I've lived in Vernonia, Oregon. Uh, it's kind of a small logging community, about two thousand people in the foothills of the Coast Range in Northwest Oregon. Uh, I grew up in in Aloha, which is kind of the, one of the suburbs of of. I'm sure most people know Portland. Um, grew up out in Aloha and uh, married my junior high school sweetheart. You know, got married not long after I turned 20, and we moved out to Vernon. We've been out here ever since. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've raised my son Adder. We've got one 
one child. He's uh, 30 years old. And, and uh, so, as I mentioned to you earlier, we're, my wife and I are empty nesters and have been for a while now. He's, he's grown and married and lives in the Dells. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been cool. We, we love living out here. I'm, I'm right, right. To, I mean, I can be out in the woods in about 15 minutes chasing Roosevelt's and uh, I, just, I just love it. I can't imagine living anywhere else and at least in this part of Oregon. Do you venture over across the five to get into some of those Rockies? I have. Uh, in fact, for the last, oh, probably 15 years or so, I've been doing that. This year, with Oregon changing their their rules here and, and going to a controlled hunt for most of the good units over in eastern Oregon, um, we decided to take the opportunity to just hunt Roosevelt's this year. And so we're going to spend all of our time uh, the month of September chasing Roosevelt's on the west side here. And then uh, I've actually got a tag for Idaho. So I'm going to spend the last five or six days in Idaho uh, chasing elk over there. So I'm first time doing that. I'm looking really forward to that. Yeah. I was going to say that's your first out of state hunt, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've just, I've always stayed close to home. Uh, like, like hunting close to home. I would love to go over to Eastern Oregon and chasing Rocky mountains over there. But, uh, um, I'm just, I'm in a better position now. And, and for one thing, can afford to, to do there. some of these out of state. Huh? <laughs> there it is right there. Huh? <laughs> 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 points in other states, but, uh, this is the first time. So, but I got a good buddy of mine that lives in, in Napa and, and, uh, he's had this unit for a few years and has a pretty good idea what the elk elk are doing over there. So I'm just, uh, worried I'm going to hopefully being in, in good enough shape to where I can go over there and, and hike some of that Idaho country. I've not been there before, but he says it's, it's, it's steep, yes. big country. Well, I was going to say elevation might not hit you too hard. Idaho is fairly, uh, fairly low in most of those ranges, but what are you, what are you sitting there? 150 I'm, feet I'm above? Right, <laughs> I'm a 670 feet above oh, sea okay. level. Yeah. And so I, I think most of this country we're hunting, I think camp is about 6,000 feet and we go up to 8,000. So I'm going to be sucking wind. I can tell. Yeah. That, I mean, I don't know anything for me, at least, you know, anything below 9,000 isn't horrible. And and you're talking to a guy that was coming from 17 foot above and then, oh. you know, coming out now where I would see it, man, when, when you get me up above 10,000, it was like walking dead, you know, just, uh, if, if, if I went up too fast last year, it hit me. I had it, I had, uh, altitude sickness twice last year, once at an archery shoot and that shoot, the camp was at 11, two. And then last year I missed opening day. We shot up to 11, four and I was, I was done, dude. I had to drop down elevation. And I think we ended up staying down, you know, around that 7,800 mark for, most of that hunt, I, I mean, I think I got out of there and went back up, you know, above 10,000 once, but, but the elk were low, so it didn't matter. You know, it was nice. Yeah. The numbers that we were in that low in, in the country there. So, yeah, well, we'll see. I, I mean, I'm no spring chicken anymore. I'm, I'll be 54. I'll turn 54 in, in September. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've noticed these last few years, especially, you know, I try to stay in pretty good shape, but, uh, this this doggone getting older stuff takes it takes a toll on you. It, 
it takes the toll. The, the part that's that's kicking my butt about it is those little aches and pains that just linger, man. You know what I mean? It's like that would have healed in three days, <laughs> four it years was, ago. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I, uh, you know, I was I was over in, in Lapine, in Central Oregon. We've got a little vacation place over there and I had to fix a fence post. And these fence posts I put in were like railroad ties and one of them rotted out. So real soft soil. I couldn't use a wheelbarrow to get over there. And so I was in and over and over end of this, uh, this uh, railroad tie because they're heavy, right? And Used my legs, the whole works, got it over there, and no problems at all. I got up the next morning, bent over to pick up the garbage out of the garbage can, oh. and, and, and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm this thing for two months now. Yep. So uh, I think I think we're going to be okay, but gosh dang it, man. I, I, yeah, I know it, it, it would have been just a matter of, of days or maybe a week at the most, you know, when I, when I was younger, and but that's all right, and I'm you know, whether it's Advil or Olive or whatever. I'll there it is. <laughs> me me yeah. and Olive in the last few months have become friends, man. It, uh, <laughs> that what we should call that the other blue pill. <laughs> I've been yeah, nursing, that's... I've been nursing this back, whatever you want to call it for six months, dude. We, when we were moving, you know, my stubborn, right piss and vinegar so is up here still and uh decided i was going to move my 800 pound gun safe by myself well that sucker decided when that when that grade break in that truck it decided <laughs> to take off and man i i don't think i've ever had a nagging pain so i i know i have it last so long but then damn it sounds bad but then the flare-ups like yeah. you know, you sit wrong, you lay wrong, you move wrong, and it is just—it's like, dang, this getting old stuff is no joke, man. <laughs> I know. I, I'm working through a routine now with uh, when I was I was at Park City at that calling contest for Rocky Mountain Health Foundation. There was a, a, a Doctor Preston therapist. Ward, Mountain Physio. Tell me, yeah. I'm right? Yeah, that's my boy, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I see this table here and I'm walking around and, and I'm going, gosh, dang it, my back hurts. And I walk into this, into this, this tent. And, and I mean, it's like, you know, a sign from God. It was, it was like, you know, the, the clouds parted and there's this table and there's this guy adjusting somebody. And, and, and so I'm like, oh gosh, dang it. I got to go see this guy. So I walked up to him and he lays me down on the table and cracks my back. And he says, you ever heard of dry needling? And I said, no, <laughs> but I'm going to learn about it. And, uh, so he, he told me about it and I lay in there and he's sticking this needle on my back and twisting it around a little bit. And anyway, I, it actually helped, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but I still got that nagging kind of nagging pain and, and to the point where I'm afraid to do too much. Mm -hmm. And so a little routine that I've been doing for day faithfully and, and actually it's, it's, it's helping. So yeah, gosh, dang it. That, that's a, I'm, I'm glad I ran into that guy. Yeah. For uh, sure. Doc is, uh, he's the man. Um, uh, Joe Jilly. I don't know if you know who Joe is with elk bros. Um, Joe yeah. was fighting a shoulder issue and he was, you know, he was in for MRIs ready for surgery. And I go, well, hold on, man. Call, call Preston. Here's his number. And, uh, man, Joe's pulling his bow back. No issues. Does his, you know, does his regimen that he's supposed to do. Uh, yeah. Preston's a stud, man. Yeah. 
No, I was very happy to <laughs> run into that guy. That's awesome. So I'm gonna rewind us a minute. Um, Rosies and Rockies, man. What what do you what do you? I hear so many different you know mixed things, different things about pursuing, and the difference in pursuit. What's uh, where do you see the biggest challenge in making that switch from Rosies to Rockies and vice versa? You know, um, if I had probably the, the biggest challenge, um, if somebody was used to hunting Rocky mountain elk and they were on the east, east side of the Cascades, I'm going to say in, in, in most places, you know, the train is different. The cover is different. You come over here on the west side and it's like a jungle. I mean, most, most everything has been logged now. There's really not any old growth left. So you're hunting, you know, young, young, younger clear cuts. So you've got trees that are in there, you know, maybe eight, 10 years old or something like that. So you've got some cover, you can kind of slip around in these clear cuts and, and get in on them. But if you get into the bigger patches of, of reap rod, I mean, they've got some little pockets and they're open, but outside of that, you get down on the stream beds, it's a jungle. And I mean, a lot of times you're on your hands and knees trying to crawl through these game trails and you just have no idea how these elk can get through there. Uh, silently. That, uh, <laughs> I said silently. Yeah. They do. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, an animal that big can, can move around silently like that in the woods, but you're right. I mean, they, they can, they can slip out of there and be gone and you have no idea where they went because they're so quiet. But, um, you know, I, I think terrain and cover is, is probably um, a, a challenge. Something else that I've noticed is that uh, these Roosevelt's seem to be, they, they seem to be kind of isolated in these areas and they live in these areas. They don't travel much. So uh, if, if you're used to that and you go over and you start hunting Rocky Mountain, I mean, I've, I've chased Rocky Mountain. I'll go over there for miles. Uh, I mean, and, and Roosevelt's over here because there is so much cover and they can hide, you know, you can chase and then they'll, sh they'll just shut up and hunker down and, and you'll walk right past them, which I know you can do a breeze too, but, uh, um, that's, that's a challenge for sure. Um, when it comes to calling, I, I guess I'd have, I'd have to say that Rocky mountain elk for me seem to be more vocal than what Roosevelt's do. A lot of times these rosies will just chuckle at you and, um, you know, they won't, they won't full on, you know, bugle at you, but not, not to say they won't because they absolutely will. I've had plenty of that too, but, uh, they seem to be a little bit more timid. And I don't know if that's just because of the pressure. I mean, I'm hunting public land, you know, OTC, uh, and it, there's a lot of pressure around here. And so I, I think there's a combination of some things going on. I think they just behave a little bit differently when it comes to calling, and, and then there's just a, there's a ton of pressure out here in the woods. So how does, how does that cover affect that archery ability too? Right. I mean, you'd have to, you get any real good thick cover. You got to be able to thread the needle, man. You have to be efficient, proficient and above board when it comes to knowing your, knowing your gear and knowing that, that trajectory on that bow. Yeah. I wish, I wish I knew how many, Roosevelt bull elk I've called in within shooting distance and you just don't have a shot opportunity. I mean, you can't even see them. Right. Uh, so, but you're right. I mean, there, there is, you get into some areas, a little older reap rod where you might have some opportunities in there from some shooting lanes, but 
I mean, you've got branches that are just hanging over and, and you're right. There's, there's not nearly as many opportunities to be able to actually, you know, throw an arrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but that is consideration for sure. Yeah. Uh, Over here uh, in a lot of cases, you're going to be shooting close unless they're out in a clear cut. Whereas if you're over in Eastern Oregon, you know, you, you don't have near as, near as many obstacles. So you've got longer shooting. So you got to be, you got to be able to be proficient and accurate anywhere from, you know, five yards to 60 yards for me. I mean, I, I don't shoot much over that. So that's an interesting thing, right? When we, when we talk elk, you know, where we're primarily talking Rocky Mountain. And then, you know, you got your Rosies, but the, well, in California, you got the Thule. Um, but you would think that there would be this, if if for not any other reason, the challenge in going after a Rosie, right? I mean, especially if you're talking Oregon. Well, I would say Washington, but Washington's almost impossible for, especially a non-resident to get a decent tag there. But uh, <laughs> um, you'd think you'd have people, man, just, just kind of chomping at the bit, you know, to go after that challenge. And there's guys that, I mean, year, year on year are just you know, rosy slayers, man. Yeah, and they've, they've got it down. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some pockets, I think further towards the coast where you can get into some bigger timber and it's more open. And, but I'm, I'm just, it's so convenient for me to head around here. And, and I do like the challenge and I don't have to kill something every year to, to enjoy myself and, and to be out there. And I'm actually out in the woods more often than I am, you know, I would be otherwise if I was traveling. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm with a few guys around here and my son and, and we have a, we have a great time chasing them. I mean, it's, you know, for me, hunting, hunting isn't, isn't as much about harvesting an animal as, as much as it is about the experience and, and just having, you know, the opportunity to, to, to share the woods with, with, with good friends and, and family is, is something I really hone in on. You know, and we, we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but that, that is a very good perspective. And you said something there, right? I'm hunting more if I'm right here, if I'm, if I'm able to stay close to home and, you know, for me until I moved, man, I'm driving, you know, 18, 20 hours and yeah. I, I'm an anomaly. I, I, I would say, because I'm like, I don't care. I'm taking 30 days off, whatever that means. I'm going to the woods for 30 days and, and not, a lot of folks can do that, right? Guys are driving, you know, putting in for these units that are adding, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten hours onto the drive. And it's like, man, just just go out there and be amongst them and go hunt them and and find them and, you know, make them do what you want them to do. That's another day of hunting. You know what I mean? It's less driving. Just get out there and go do the dang thing. Uh, and don't worry about being in that flipping premier unit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more time you can spend in the woods, uh, it just increases your odds and it, and they don't have to be vocal either. I mean, you could, you could have these incidental encounters where you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, they happen to walk past you, uh, you know, and there's, there's a lot of times where if you're sitting at home because you got to travel, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours or whatever to get to hunting camp that you can't, you know, you're, you're not able to be in the woods as much. So, I can go to work in the morning and come home, change my clothes and, and be out in the woods hunting every evening. Um, and then, you know, the weekend, I usually take a week off at the end of the season just to, just to be out there, you know, all day long, usually. So. 
man, we jumped so far ahead, but I, we're just going to roll with it. So you said right place, right time. Man, that is, I don't know why, right? You, you If you're in the deer woods, okay, air quote there, deer woods, and you're trekking around, the expectation is at some point I may cross paths. You're always, you're always kind of on point. When it comes to elk, I don't think we're in the same mindset. A lot of people, oh. right? Because we're our expectation is the social interaction, a call in, hearing them call, we get to them, and then we kind of go into that game planning. Right place, right time is a man. I missed a big old six by six two years ago because right place, right time. We're walking in, going up to our our bench, and and here this little herd comes in, and uh, man, this bull was a monster, and my son was supposed to be shooter <laughs> and he, you know, he's awestruck and I'm like, I'm knocking man. <laughs> um, but it can happen so fast. Right. So how do you, how do you prepare for that? What's your, um, what's your go-to scenario in that? Or is that just years of experience call coom collected when I see him, this arrow's getting loaded and it's going. Yeah. You know, over here, a lot we'll, we'll hear him before we see him. You know, they'll be feeding through the, you know, walking through the timber to head to their bedding ground or, or area where they're going to feed. Uh, and you just happen to hear them and you just slow down and, and kind of, kind of track where they're headed and then try to get in front of them. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's been a few occasions where you, you know, glass in a clear cut or something like that. And what happens to pop out from the timber on you, but, uh, you got to be prepared all the time and you can't be walking up through it, you know, on a trail up through the woods and, and, uh, you know, chit chatting with your buddies, you got to just always be prepared and think that, that at any time, I mean, you're in the woods, right? You're in, you're in their, you're in their, their home. And at any time, one of these could walk out in front of you, especially if you got sign around, if you got, if you've got sign, it's time to, you know, it's game on. You got to slow down, listen, you know, I don't knock an arrow until I, you know, I happen to see or hear something, but, uh, and, and usually at that point, if, if I happen upon them, if I am in the right place at the right time, I won't do any calling. Uh, you know, I just, I'd, like I said, I just kind of track where they're headed and try to get in front of them and ambush them uh, or stalk them, but it, it it's hard over here. That's <laughs> spot, spot game. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you can't see more than 15, 16 yards. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to pull off an elk for at least a moment, you know. <laughs> we'll try to at least. The, the IG handle is the bearded elk whisperer. <laughs> so let's get into that, man. Let's get into, you know, the world's, um, you know, Tony uh, competed a couple times, competed this year, did really well. Um, so there's a lot of background um, to this conversation that that we definitely want to share. So let's step away from elk, man, and why don't you give it to him? Yeah, so... I actually started competing. The first time I competed, uh, it was in Portland uh, at the convention center here. And it was, I actually looked this up because I couldn't remember. It was uh, 2005. And in 2005, I walked into the convention center. I, I had switched, let me back up a minute. So somebody gave me a, an Abe and Sons bugle years and years ago. And, uh, and I didn't know the first thing about calling it. Uh, I rifle hunted as a kid. Nobody ever really taught me how to archery hunt. So, uh, you know, my father-in-law hunted a bit with archery. So I, I went with him and, and, and got the bug. Uh, you know, he, he were in the coast range one time and he, 
he shot this spike bull. My first encounter, everybody shooting a, a, an elk with a bow and happened to spine the thing. And I mean, it dropped it right there. And and we're standing there. And, and I, at this point, I'm like 16 years old, right? I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? You know, here's this elk. <laughs> so anyway, that, that was, that was kind of my introductory introduction to archery. But then, you know, I got this, this Abed sense bugle and I started playing around with that thing and, and it could start to make some sounds and, and I'd hear elk in the woods and I thought, man, this is, this is like the best sound I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I, I, it was, it was something that, that, and I'm sure you've had the same experience, you know, especially when you're up in the dark, you hear a bull bugle, especially if they're close to you, that just makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck and you get goosebumps. And I mean, that's why I am. And I still am that way. So I go from Aben Sands to this Terminator bugle, right. From, from Primos. And, and, uh, I'm playing with that thing and I get pretty proficient with it. It's got that little blue reed on the end of it. And, and I graduated at some point, not long after I started blowing on that call to, to diaphragms. And I thought, man, I can, I learned, I learned real quick. I could be a lot more versatile with, with a diaphragm than I could these, these bugles and tubes that have these, these reeds on them. So Anyway, practice, 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 and and uh, I'm going to go compete in, in my first Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation World Championship elk calling contest, 2005. And I walk into convention center there, and I hear, I hear this bugle from across the, the convention center, and it's unlike anything I've ever heard coming from a human. And so I make my way over to the booth, and and I'm standing there, and, and I'm listening to this guy, and he's got all the table full of diaphragms and, and these big, you know, bugle tubes. I'm going, man, this is, this is unreal. You know I mean? This, this guy sounds way better than I do. So I got to talking with him and, and he, he, he looks at me and he says, uh, well, what's your plan with that? Cause I had my, my Terminator tube with me and I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to compete in the contest tomorrow. And he kind of chuckles at me and I chuckle as in laugh. And, and <laughs> Well, he says, you can do that. But he said, I've never seen anybody even place in that contest unless they're using a wiffle ball bat or, or my, my tube. And so I said, all right, well, I guess I'm buying one of your tubes. And it happened to be Rocky Jacobson. And uh, so I bought his Monarch tube and I still have it hanging up in my closet here. And I went and competed and I took fourth in the men's division. And I did that for two or three years after that. They, they moved over to, to Reno. Nevada after that. And the best I ever did was fourth. And I mean, it was expensive to travel back then. I was young and I thought, well, I'll just, you know, this, this was fun. I gave it a whirl and I felt pretty good, you know, out of, you know, 30, 40 guys placed in fourth. That was, it felt like an accomplishment mm-hmm. too. And then I got the bug again here for COVID and I signed up again to go to Park City, Utah. And, and of course, code shut everything down. And then it reopened last year. And I went and I had, I had no idea, you know, how I was going to compete. I just, I, I figured I, I could be competitive, practiced a lot uh, <laughs> to the point where, you know, I, every year I drive my wife nuts and I, I go in there and, and I, and I win this thing and, and I'm competing against some really good callers. Uh, and then <clears throat> uh, I got a, an invite to uh, be a part of, uh, Phelps pro team and which meant I had to move up to the pro division 
And I really had no idea what to expect there either, given the competition I knew I was going to be up against. I mean, you're talking about guys like Corey Jacobson and, and, and uh, Bo Brooks and, you know, Jermaine Hodge and, and, and others, you know. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go there. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to represent Phelps well. I'm going to do the best I can and, and just see what happens. And uh, I, to my surprise, I, I ended up taking second place there. And man, what an experience. Uh, I mean, I, I love to compete. I, I love the atmosphere. But more than that, I like sharing that experience with like-minded people and, and, and guys that I, I, I call, you know, true friends. And, you know, I met Corey years and years ago when I competed and, and I mean, it was like, we just picked up again, right where we left off. And, and, you know, it's just a different, it's a different breed of people. Um, if I, if, you know, to be honest with you, it just, it's, and it, it helps when you're there with with other guys that love to do you know share the same passion love to do what you're doing but uh man I, it was it was an I, i'm still honestly i'm still on a, a bit of a high from it because i just keep replaying that whole scenario in my mind and, and both times last year and this year i had to work my way up the, up out of the losers bracket and uh you know that's a challenge in, in and of itself and and uh so but you know, I, it's just a, a great bunch of guys. Um, some of the best calling I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I met a lot of, of new people, a lot of new friends. The judges were great. The Rocky Man Elk Foundation does an awesome job putting that contest on. So, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, the, uh, the brotherhood at those events, man, is is next level. Even if you're not competing just to, just, like you're saying, just to be in and around all those like, it's like going to, you know, hunt expo there in Utah. Uh, it, it's just next level, man. You, you feel like, and this is me, right? This is my perspective. This is where I'm from. This is how I view it. But for me, I'm, you know, as a hunter, there's a lot of times where we're isolated, right? So if we're not amongst our demographic, our brethren, uh, I feel misplaced in a, in a lot of situations. I really do feel misplaced. Like these aren't my people. And then you get around those people. I mean, just, you don't have to say nothing. I walk into like hunt expo and, and I'm there to set up for the podcast and I'm walking in. There's no one there. People are setting up booths and, and it's like it, kid in a candy store kid, you know, on, on Christmas Eve, that, that is all understating the feeling that you get in just the excitement for the interaction, <clears throat> excuse me, um, amongst our demographic, man, just phenomenal people. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I agree 100%. I, I'm, I'm at a point now where I just, you know, it's only been just a few weeks since I was there and I'm already looking forward to next year. Just, just because of the experience. And, and I mean, I had people coming up to me who I've never met before in my life and, uh, you know, congr congratulating me on my performance and, and, you know, just talking about, you know, hunting and, and calling and, and man, can you help me out? You know, I, I struggle in this area or I struggle in that area and what, you know, what diaphragms are you using? And, and it just, it just spurs this, this conversation that I don't get to have, you know, just, just any day. Right. I mean, again, these are people that share the same passion, same interest. And, and so 
you, you just you have that opportunity to talk as much about it as you want or as little as as you want. And 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 for me, I love helping people out. And and if if I've got guys coming up to me or ladies, uh, you know, they they want to know, you know, how, how I make the sounds I make and if I can give this some, some tips or pointers, um, you know, I walk away from that success. And honestly, even if I didn't place at that contest, just, just the opportunity to, to talk with these folks and, 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 and coach them is, is, a, is something that I love to do and no different than being in the woods. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be behind the calls than behind that bow up front you know, with the opportunity to, to, to shoot, to shoot now. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about playing caller. Um, I, I played caller for seven or eight days last year for a buddy. And I just, you know, it was just like, I'm not, I'm not worried about knocking an arrow, sending an arrow. Uh, no. I just want to call for you. And probably, I mean, in terms of, of education and the take in when you, when you pull yourself away from the pressure of notching your tag, just the input is just phenomenal, but man, it's next level to you're working, right? I mean, every bit of it is you're working. Like I am going to get that bull to come in. So you get an opportunity at that animal. And it is just the greatest feeling, man. Even when your caller, Brandon Waddell uh, blows and comes out of position, you know, I still felt really good about it. (laughs) Had to get that jab in there again. (laughs) You get some of those open, open read external calls, and they get all gummed up with spit, and you, you know, you end up sort of like a wounded duck out there. Oh man, you know, My, a lot of things that can happen. It, you know, there's there is another level of pressure. You, for me, at least, I had to stay focused on it, right, and really and really think about you know language and cadence and when I'm saying what and how fast or how much I'm responding. So I wasn't blowing out situations because a lot of times we'll let we'll let our time get in the way of their time. And we want to rush the situation, which, you know, I'm sure you you know very well that that, you know, a lot of times just blows things out of the water. Um, Yeah, it doesn't end well. No, but it's just a great experience, man. Um, What what do you what do you see in the difference between, you know, stage calling and in the woods? Right. Um, we, we hear it frequently that there is no perfect elk sound, but you can sound like crap (laughs) and, and, you know, trigger response in those animals that make things go bad as well. Right. What, what do you see the difference in how has the stage or the woods helped you in, in your elk game? Yeah. So that's, that's a, great question and 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 you're right um you, you don't have to be perfect uh you know you don't you don't when you're on stage you, you've got seven people back there listening to everything you're doing and and are scoring you based on on your you know how you sound how realistic you are and how many mistakes you make and when you're in the woods you know, you, you don't have to be nearly as concerned about making these mistakes. I've heard some awful sounded bull elk before, and, and, and cows for that matter. Uh, and you'd swear that, that you know, that's that's a, a hunter over there, right? And so you go on about your way and trying to work your way around this, 
you know, the center pretty soon they're getting closer and they're getting closer and, and, and realize that it's a, it's an elk, not a human. Um, you know, I, I think there is a, there is a, there's a line there. You got to be careful. I mean, I'm, when I say you don't have to be perfect when you're in the woods, that that's, that's a true statement because elk don't sound perfect, perfect every time either, but, but you do need to, you, you do need to make realistic sounds. So, which means you need to practice. And, and for me, all the time I spend preparing for the contest and being on the stage is what makes me a better caller in the woods. Um, you know, I, elk aren't scoring you based on, you know, whether you pant or whether you, you know, you, you're able to chuckle, um, or grunt like, like a real bull can. I mean, if you sound remotely close to what, in my experience, remotely close to what a bull sounds like, uh, they're, they're likely going to respond to you. Um, you know, there's, there's some things that, uh, you know, like, you know, you, you'll do some barks on the stage. Well, you probably don't want to do that too much in the woods. Right. Um, there are opportunities where you'll have a bull that barks at you. That's, that's not like blowing the herd out. Right. They, they bark at you and then grunt or chuckle like that to let you know that they don't see you and they want to see you. Um, but you know, as, as a rule, I don't do that in the woods unless they do it to me. So I do a lot of mimicking those elk in the woods and, uh, you know, that, that seems to work really good. But when it comes to stage presence, I, I think it, you know, I, I'm more stressed out and concerned about making those perfect calls on stage because I'm being judged by a human ear that's expecting to hear realistic elk sounds, perfect or near perfect elk sounds, as opposed to what you hear in the woods. And that, and that what's interesting about that, right, is you got seven judges and it's their perspective of what that perfect is, right? So that adds to the challenge, right, in that calling. Because, you know, if a guy is, you know, consistently out killing out, doesn't necessarily mean that that judge is a stellar caller himself or has heard a ton of elk in the woods. Right. And that's I, I think I'll take a like a three judge panel. That's <laughs> that's a better deal right there, man. Yeah. You know, the judges they had this year, I mean, these are all very well known uh, guides, outfitters uh been doing a long time i've i've entered some local contests or some state contests and 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 i've done the same exact thing that i did on stages last last couple years and even place so to your point yeah every one of these judges have their own perspective on what they hear Mm -hmm. and they think sounds like a real elk or sounds better than the person you're up against or whatever so you just never know. I mean, I will never, I will never stand here and tell you that that just because I won the men's division last year, I won second place, you know, took second place this year in the pro division, that I'm the best caller in the world. Because I will guarantee you that there's always somebody else that's that's a little bit better, or maybe a lot better, and and it might be exactly what the judges want to hear that day, and completely knock me out of the running. So, you know, it just it just depends. It's kind of like, you know, singing in the shower, right? We, we sound wonderful 
to ourselves. <laughs> but I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee, GD, you record that, and you ain't nobody going to agree. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> tone deaf can't carry a tune for you know the life of them. It's uh that's an interesting <laughs> thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've judged a couple contests, like just local contests, you know, archery shoot stuff. And for me, I try and turn everything off and I literally will close my eyes and, and, and see what mental picture comes when I'm hearing those sounds. And if I'm getting those mental pictures and I'm, and it takes me to the woods, you're probably going to score decently. You know, and then it, then it's about language, right? Are you saying if it's if it's a sequence, you're, you're saying the right thing in response to yourself? Because I think that's where yep. that's where there's a lot of left turns, if you will, um, is is going about a sequence. Great sounds, but then it's just like, well, you're having three different conversations in what you're saying here. How much does language play into uh, your approach in the woods? It plays a, a big part in the woods and on stage for that matter. Uh, you know, elk don't say the same thing necessarily over and over and over again, right? They're, they have versatility in, in their calls. And, and it's no different than when you're on stage. Elk make a lot of different sounds. And if you get up there and you make the same cow sound time after time after time, you make the same bull sound every time, you know, you're not going to score very high. They, the judges ex expect to hear some versatility in, in your calling so that they know that you really have a handle on, on you know, what, what elk sounds like, sounds sound like in the woods, you know, what kind of sounds they can make. When you're in the woods, I don't think it's any different. I mean, when I said earlier, I, I try to mimic bulls, I, I, I mimic them because the you know, that for one thing, it, it just seems like I've had good success for whatever reason. They don't like the copycat, right? Um, no different than we do. You know, you, mm -hmm. you kind of annoy. And, and so uh, for me, I, I mimic them. They don't make the same sounds every time. The further you're away from them, if you stay that distance, I, I guess I would say that their sounds are, you know, very similar. But you start to make a move on them. You get closer to them. You, you become a threat to them you just elevated the game. Right. And, and the, the tone and the frequency in which they return calls is like night and day different. So emotion. And, yeah. And, and cows too. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't claim to know, you know, necessarily what the elk are saying. I'm not, I mean, I'm not like a, you know, Chris Rowe or Jay Scott or anything, but, uh, you know, you, you know, if you've been in the woods for any length of time, you can start to try to understand, you know, when an elk makes a certain sound. It's that inflection. Yeah. yeah. What the, inf they, they make, what they do following that call. Um, you know, the habits that, that you, you see after they make a certain sound in the woods and what they do is something that, that you can pick up on and, 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 and begin to understand their, their, uh, you know what there's that point. So when you know we talked a couple of weeks ago, you and and I pick it up now, right? As as you're talking about that, um, you're a humble dude, right? And and I think that that kind of comes with wisdom and years. But 
there's something about just talking to you, right? And that's why, you know, I even included that on on the bullet. And when we talk, um, what what does that humility mean to you, man, in everything you do, just going through life, right? These to me, these are hunting values, teaches us patience, humility. When you're on the mountain, you're this big. Um, I just look at that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, it just, you know, it, it always brings me back to those moments when, when I hear it in people, when I see the facial expression and it's just like, that's what I'm talking about there. You know, it, it's, it's a life changer, man. It, it just, there's so much perspective to be gained out on the mountain, talking to yourself, talking to your creator. Where, where do you stand in that realm, man, with your pursuit? Well, <clears throat> You know, I, I I like to think of myself as as a humble guy. Uh, I, you know, just like I mentioned earlier, I, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be the best out caller that ever walked because I know it's not true. I know that there's always going to be somebody else out there that's better, and it doesn't matter whether it's out calling, uh, whether it's your profession, you know, what you do for work, what you do is, is for hobbies or or, or fun. Um, you know, I, I, I powerlifted for a while. There was always somebody stronger. There's always somebody tougher. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important to keep that perspective because I, I don't want, I want to be humble. I don't want somebody to humble me, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. I don't want to be humbled. I don't want to be that guy that thinks he's the best that ever walked. And pretty soon somebody shows up and they're, you, know, you get your butt handed to you, right? Yes, because they're that much better. So, you know, I, I was raised that way. Uh, I, I, I think I've, I, I've gotten, you know, whether it's my job, whether it's promotions I've received or, you know, how I, how people respond to me, you know, when I go to these contests, it's, you know, I've had people walk up to me that never met me, met me before in my life. And, 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 and say just exactly what you said, you know, that you, you're a humble guy, mm-hmm. aren't you? I, you know, I, I try hard to be that way because like I said before, I, I, I want to, I want to help people. And, um, you know, for me showing that kind of humility is going to open up more doors than it would if I was that guy that was, you know, kind of thought he was a cock of the walk. Right. You know, I just, I'm not that way and I never have been. And I think, Unfortunately, it doesn't matter whether it's this industry or anything else, you know, professional sports, your, your work, there's always those guys that, that strut around and, and, and think that they're it and more. And, and I, I think there's a difference between, you know, kind of being arrogant and being confident. I think a guy can be confident and still be humble. I think people struggle when, when they're arrogant. I don't, I think they, you know, they kind of, that, that, that humbleness or that humility kind of goes away. Although man, so. in, in the beard game, dude, you should have a little, you should have a little arrogance, brother. <laughs> you guys, you guys can't see this, but man, look at that. It's pretty svelte beard right now. <laughs> Tony, Tony's beard's knocking down doors, man. No, it, it's just yeah. nice for me to see it, bro. You know, like, like I said, for me, you know, the values that come out of hunting, the values that I find in our community, um, that's the most impressive thing to me, you know, like all good, right. You get, you, you're, you're number two, number one on that podium. Um, it, it, it means, you know, or you're knocking down elk every single year. Um, 
it just means so much more, man. When I, when I meet folks or talk to folks or watch someone carry themselves with that level of humility, um, Dirk is one of them. You know, when you, when you, if you're looking from the outside in, and if you've never heard Dirk, you, you'd have no idea how much humility that man walks around with. Right. I mean, this guy's, he's a elk killing stud, you know, but the level of humility he walks around with, um, I'll catch Guff for saying it, Cam Haynes. Um, I watched Cam walk into Hunt Expo last year, and I'm in the initial ascent booth. He's coming in, and, you know, he's coming in kind of the the back door um, along the Mountain Ops booth there. And and you can see not just the humility, but almost the embarrassment as he was coming down that little corridor. And I mean, you'd liken it to like, you know, this, this superstar NBA athlete about to walk on the court for all intents and purposes in our demographic, you know, Haynes is that guy. And man, it was, it was so impressive for me to see it and right, wrong or indifferent on my part. I had, I have no idea who that man is truly. Right. I know what I see. I know what's on social. You hear people, blah, 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 whatever they have to say on either side of that. But man, when I saw that, I was just like, this, this dude is the kind, this is the kind of person that I'm talking about right here to see that embarrassed, like walking in the back, like he's embarrassed about what's, what's about to ensue as he walks through there. And it's just yeah. phenomenal, man. Again, for me, to, that was a long way around that. It's just phenomenal for me to see people carry themselves, especially if they have any type of celebrity in our demographic, because we're such a small group. We we freak the, the F out when it comes to, you know, those hunting celebs, man. Um, so it's just cool. I, I just love hearing that stuff. What you said you were raised that way. What what values what values have come from hunting that were added to your life, maybe that you were exposed to, but that, that really didn't hold. And you, you know, as a grown man, you discovered like, wow, this is really drawing the best of me out. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a, I, I think by nature, a, a, a pretty impatient person. And one thing that, that I have learned that, that hunting has taught me is, 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 to be patient. And I was, I was raised, um, you know, you, you asked where, where, you know, where this humbleness comes from. And I, I was raised in a, in a, in a Christian household. And, uh, you know, I, I believe you talked about our creator earlier. I believe in God. And, and when I'm walking around in the woods out there, uh, you talk about how, how small you are, you know, when you're on a mountain somewhere, it, you don't always, stop and think about that, you know, day to day when, you know, you're busy and you're working or whatever, but you get out in the woods and, and you, you just take a moment and pause and just, you know, I, I mean, it doesn't have to be all about hunting when you're out there and it isn't for me. I mean, you know, you're, you're not hunting all day long. You, know, you take, you take naps, you take breaks or whatever. And for me, I take, I take the opportunity to reflect on, on, you know, just how lucky I am to be, out here and, and experiencing God's creation. You know, I mean, it, it, it really is something that, that, uh, puts things into perspective for me, uh, you know, one, one of many, but, uh, yeah, I, I, 
for me, that's, that's time that I can get in, in a busy life and a, you know, stressful job. And, uh, I can take the time to spend some quality time with my son for one thing, um, with some friends and, and just, you know, rest, you know, rest my mind and and my soul and, and, you know, do something that I love, you know, and, and, for me, like I said earlier, it's it's not all about killing that animal. It's about the experience and what leads up to it. It's about that journey that you take every day when you're out there. So my my ritual, whether I'm, you know, spiking out, you know, running out the pack or if I get back to, you know, base camp at night, man, is is just looking up and just saying thank you for the opportunity and the ability. And that, those moments, right? Those moments. And that's every, every single night at camp. Those translate every single day because I'll, we lose sight of it running through day-to-day life, right? Like you said, right? The stress of work and the hustle and bustle and you got to get this done. Honey-do list. If my wife's listening, it stresses me sometimes. <laughs> but it, 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 it puts it in perspective when, you, when, when I decide to or make myself or have a reminder, wait, hey, a minute, man. Thankful for the opportunity and ability doesn't just mean that time on the mountain, right? When I'm talking, when I'm, and I don't care who, who, what your belief system is, who your creator is. But the the mindset of thank you for the opportunity and ability on a daily basis, dude, it it's a game changer. It's a it's a life leveling game changer, and it really puts things in perspective. And you and you get to walk around grateful, right? You you always have this sense of gratitude. And and outside of sharing things, perspectives, helping people, I don't know that there's a, a better feeling to understand that. This is the, every bit of what you have you one in one way, shape or form you've asked for, right? E- even through hard work, but just to have the ability and opportunity every day is not something that we should take for granted. Uh, you know what? I'm glad you said that guy, because it, it reminded me of something. So <clears throat> last year uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be invited to go on that hunt of a lifetime in Idaho with Corey Jacobson and, and Donnie Drake. And we took a kid up there, Jack, um, 15-year-old kid. He'd had a brain tumor. Somewhere along the lines, he'd, he'd lost his sight. He'd had a stroke. And you talk about putting things into perspective for me. Uh, you know, I, I complain. I've told this story how many times. I complain about all the, the, you know, the aches and pains that, that I have I'm talking about when we first got on here and the stress I have at work or in my life or whatever. And, and to see this kid in camp who's been through something that I've never experienced myself and, and hope to God that I never do to, to sit there in camp and act like a normal 15 year old kid and to see him struggle as, as he walked around in the woods when, when, when Corey and Donnie and, and um, Russ Meyer and, and uh, Tony Muddy were all here trying to get this, this, uh, this kid in position to harvest a bull. 
you know, I look at him and I think about this all the time. I, I have nothing to complain about. You know, I, I, I have zero to complain about. And, and when I'm going through my daily activities and duties, I'm working, whatever, and something pops into my brain and I'm just, you know, frustrated and angry about it. A lot of times I can think back on that and, and just say, you know what, I, <laughs> if, if Jack can go through what, what that kid has gone through in his life and come out the other side and have the outlook on life that he, he at least appears to have, I've got no reason to complain. So I'll, I'll <laughs> caveat that man. Hey, the old man aches and pains. That's a real deal. It's nagging. So we got to, <laughs> we're going to hone in on that a little bit, but no, I, I agree with you, man. It's, and, and how gut wrenching is that, you know, when you see that, but then you, you gain that perspective of like this, this dude, he's, this is the real deal here. This is the man, right? That strength. Yeah. Like I wish at 15 years old, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't wish that on him, uh, but I, I guarantee and you know, Tate Hale, um, Sid Smith, uh, Joe Corliss, I've I've been in the field with with all those guys, and their perspective is unreal, you know. And they're you know not well, they're not our age, but they're they're getting up there. You guys are getting old too, uh, <laughs> um, but their perspective is unreal, man. And you look at it, and you can't help but to think like, what what am I complaining about? You know, I got ten and ten, and two and two. What what do I have to be, feel sorry for myself? It's hard to. It's hard to keep that perspective if you're not conscious of it or haven't experienced, you know, somebody else's, you know, shoes, so to speak, that, that we could really understand that. But, man, what strength you gain from folks like that is just it's, it's next level, next level. They don't, and those yeah. guys don't understand why we look up to them. No, no, they, they, I'm sure they don't. I mean, it, it, I think we get we get complacent, right? I mean, we get we just go on about our lives and, and we get complacent. We don't think about these things that, that, that people like Jack have to go through every day that, that, I mean, for me experiencing that and, and being in camp sharing camp with him and, and everyone else that, that came together to help him, that gave me strength. I learned something that, you know, that those few days when I was up there from, from Jack and, and others to, that, that, uh, I mean, it was a self, it was a selfless act. It was something that every pull, everybody pulled together for, for Jack. And, and, uh, man, I'll tell you, I, I it, it put things into perspective for me during those few days. And it still does today and it will for the rest of my life. I mean, it was, for me, it was, it was a, a life altering experience. And, and I'm gonna go back right back to it. Right. Thank you for the opportunity and the ability Right to be in this position to take that to take that lesson to equate that to some humility in my life, right and and be grateful for it. I mean, we yeah. we we miss the mark so heavy on that just across the board, not our demographic, but just across the board, man. Um, can you imagine? I think we talked about this. <laughs> can you imagine? I don't want to imagine what the woods would be like, but what, what kind, if you just, just in Oregon, if everyone in Oregon hunted, if everyone in Oregon was a hunter, can you imagine 
what type of society, state, town you'd live in if if everyone got to experience what we experience walking through God's country, man. Just it would be yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. <clears throat> we did I do remember talking about that. And and it is I mean, like I said, it it, it it really what it really boils down to is is when you get a bunch of people who are like minded and share share the same interests and and passion and, and agree. And I I mean I, I've, I'm sure you have to. I've run into some guys that, that probably mm, don't guess, exhibit the best behaviors. In the world, right, but, right. But, but you're, and it doesn't matter whether it's hunting or anything else. You get, you get people together and and just showing kindness and that humility and and I, yeah, I mean, not just the state, but the entire world. I mean, if if people really took an opportunity to just slow down, take a breath, and treat people with respect and be kind and 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 show humility, I yeah, could you imagine how much better this world would be? Good lord, <laughs> you know that's a as they say a pipe dream. <laughs> you know, unfortunately. You're right. <laughs> it uh, it definitely is. But I, I think, you know, and there's people out in the woods, right? I mean, there's hikers and bikers and things like that. I just don't think anything offers the same perspective in terms of value of life that hunting brings in. When you when you decide to be involved in that circle, um, there, there's just something about it. I mean, just in the pursuit, what you learn about yourself, um, trying to, you know, get to that end. Um, and I think that's what makes the end mean less and less as we go through it, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's, it's like, I, I, I will have to say I've, I've run into a lot of guys in the woods that are, are very, uh, very respectful. And, and, and you talk about respect. I, I, one thing I've, I've learned, um, over the years, you know, in, in taking the life of an animal, it, it uh, you know, younger when I was when I was younger, it didn't really mean much to me. Right. But the older I've gotten, uh, you know, to take to take the life of that animal, I, I mean, I give thanks to to not only God, but I give thanks to the animal too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, it it's uh, that was a life that I just took, and it's going to feed my family, and and I I appreciate that. You know, I show I show respect to that animal, and, and uh, I think that's important too. Absolutely is, man. So I'm gonna get off my, as Jim Huntsman would say, philosophical <laughs> tirades here. It's so hard to me. It, it's yeah, I'm on with Tony Gilbertson. I want to talk elk calling, but there's so much more to it. You know what I mean? It just it, it's hard for me not to tangent down that stuff, man. When that window opens, it's uh, it's hard to close it. No, uh, I appreciate it. I really do. I, yeah. I share the same the, the, the same opinions that that, uh, that you do for sure. So we're going to go back to elk. I hope everybody got something out of that. But so September <laughs> is, I think I'm, I think I'm 16 days, 16 days off season, man. Uh, I know up in Oregon, you guys start the 27th. I think it is this year. Um, and there's folks behind the curve, man. <laughs> so what, what gems do you have? Right. What are those, you know, hey, I'm walking into the woods late life through these monkey wrenches, but I got my tag. I'm going. 
what are the few things that they should be focused on this late in the game getting out? You know, I, I, so for one thing, you know, just because of those aches and pains that I've had, I, I'm not in nearly as good a shape as, as I wanted to be. So between over the next couple of weeks, now that my back's feeling better, uh, I mean, f- physical conditioning is going to help you in the elk woods. Um, you know, it's, it's rough, rugged country. Uh, you put a lot of miles in on your boots. At least I do. Um, I mean, it's nothing to hike around these, uh, you know, as, as the born and raised guys talk about the little cat road shuffle over here, you know, six, eight, 10, sometimes more miles a day. And you've got to be in, fairly good physical condition in order to do that. So that's one thing I'm going to focus on. And I think is important. Um, so you two, know, I, two weeks before a season, right. It's not too late. I mean, you can still get out there, get what you can in. Right. And, 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 you know, break yourself off, if you will, this next week and a half without, without inducing injury. I'm not yeah. you know, suggesting that anyone go injure themselves. I don't get blamed for ruining a season, but it's not too <laughs> late to go and, at least get that moving, right? You know, get your stretching in, get some good PT in. It's, it's no, it's, it's never too late. I mean, I, 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 every day between now and when the season starts, I'm, I'm stretching to try to keep my muscles loose, um, doing some, some kind of cardio, you know, I got a weight set out in the garage. So, um, really trying to strengthen my low back where, where I'd injured it, you know, doing some, I've got a box out there. I've got a 50 pound sandbag. So I'm doing box steps out there, you know, just repetition, uh, trying to get some cardio in. So no, it's, it's never too late to, to, I mean, you know, unless you don't do it before the season starts and you're going to be, you know, wishing you had, but, uh, so physical conditioning is, is important for me. Uh, you know, I start practicing, uh, I know a lot of guys shoot all year long, you know, um, I don't do that as much, but man, as soon as the weather turns right out on here, I'm out shooting a lot and being proficient with the tool that you're going to use in the woods to harvest that animal. Uh, you owe that animal that respect to do that. And, you know, things happen. We, we all know it and, and we all hate it when it happens, you know, in terms of injuring an animal, but, but you owe it to that animal and you owe it to yourself to, to practice and become proficient with your bow. So, uh, I've got my bow dialed in. Uh, it's shooting great. Now I was shooting, shooting real good with field tips, switched over to broadheads and that was, you know, things, things got off a little bit there, but I've got it dialed in now. So, uh, make sure you spend plenty of time getting your broadhead set up and your arrows flying good and your bows tuned. If it's not, you know, at this point, you might not get us there <laughs> going to a pro shop somewhere right now, trying to get a new string, which, you know, I was in, I was in a pro shop here the other day. And, and one of the guys behind the counter was talking about it. I mean, it's two weeks to get a string and, and then you're in line to get it put on. So if you haven't done that by now, you, you're probably in trouble, but uh, yeah, you better start adjusting for that string. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been doing some scouting, uh, you know, I've got an idea. You know, we, we hunt the same areas over there, always elk in these same areas. 
you never know who you're going to run into out there, or what they're going to be doing, but uh, we've got a, a pretty good idea, you know, of, of where they're at and what their patterns are. So it's just a matter of being, being out there consistently. But, uh, and then I, you know, I, I've got all my gear laid out, um, you know, got it lined out. I've got my, my pack set pretty much, um, picked up all my snacks from Costco yesterday and spent way too much money. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, that was a killer, man. I went and, uh, I really noticed the cost increases getting ready for dude. season, dude. I was like, this is unbelievable. My wife looked at me like, what did we just get? And I'm like, well, it is elk season. Sorry, but man, I'm I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it was about a hundred and thirty bucks more than normal. Oh, at least, yeah. I I I told my wife. I mean, we bought a lot of other stuff at Costco too. You, you can't, you know, you kind of get cornered in those stores and buy all kinds of stuff you don't really need. But just as far as stuff that I, I get every year for for hunting. I just, yeah, I, I cannot believe the cost. And that's something else too this year with the way fuel prices are. I mean, this could put a real damper into in some some hunting plans. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for, yeah, it's everything's just stupid expensive right now. Yeah, I mean, considering, you know, Idaho, what, what people put in in Idaho in December and then these fuel yeah. prices skyrocket up. I mean, how many tags are going to be turned in because of that? You know, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. A lot of guys. I mean, that was their that's their one trip every four or five years. You know, now they're looking at that, going, "Man, I can't." You know, I can't afford to do this now. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a rough one. Yeah, it was over two hundred bucks to fill my truck up the other day, and it just, it, yeah, it not a good situation. But yeah. but anyway, um, yeah, I I think those are the the big things for me. Um, just making sure you're prepared and, and, uh, you got your equipment dialed in and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I got a good bunch of guys to go out with and, and traipse around the woods and, and hopefully things come together for you and, and you're successful. So you talked about PT, man, you know, <laughs> so, so <laughs> a couple weeks ago, my, my guys, uh, my crew, uh, hit a, deer <laughs> uh -oh. so i you know I'm, I'm down down the road a bit and i said all right i'm on my way up and get up there and you know where's where's the deer at oh it's over there i look man it's really nice buck dude he's a four by five he's kind of he's broken but he's in velvet wow and uh he was like yeah one of the guys was saying man it kind of it was horrible because he was alive for a minute well state troopers there and i'm like dude, can I get a roadkill permit? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it drives me yeah. crazy to see all the cows and calves and bucks and doe laid out on the road, you know, bloat and just sure. go to rot. So, yeah. I'm, you know, trooper looks at me, goes, you serious? And I'm like, heck yeah, man, why let them go to waste? You know, there's 10 more down the road in the next four <laughs> miles that all wasted. Like I can give it to some of these guys. They can feed the family for a couple weeks, you know, and I'll take some home. And uh, dude, the one... It's kind of embarrassing. You feel it when you're, you know, whether you're a, a you know, a gutless guy or, you know, old school field dress guy, man, tell me that that posture hasn't crept. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I've, and, and you feel it. I don't, and even, even in my younger years, you, you feel that posture, right? I was just going to. 
I felt that 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Like, oh. But but then I'm uh, so I'm, I'm on the roadside. We drug him off to the shoulder, right? And I'm down and I'm dressing this deer in my knife. My pocket knife isn't that sharp, right? It's a utility knife. I cut everything. I don't pay attention. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> when I tried to stand up, I, I mean, just, oh, <laughs> 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 you got pages, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like three or four. So it was funny. And I've, this is so damn embarrassing, but this is real stuff, right? So I'm like, okay, look, I got to figure out what I can do in that posture that's going to the best I can mimic that length of time and just expose those muscles to that posture. So it was like, I'm down on a knee, switching knees. I'm down on both knees and I'm just moving my sandbag, man, moving my kettlebells, moving my sandbag and just really trying to expose myself to it. And then it was like, okay, I got to get up and get up and stretch a little bit. And that's one of the things that I never really realized or did, you know, as I'm dressing animals is just take a minute, get up, stand up, right. You know, stretch it out. And uh, I couldn't help but laugh and, the officer's like, you all right? You know, and I'm like, God damn, somebody noticed this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just, you know, get a little stiff down here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty interesting, man. So, you, so uh, apparently from your response, you've noticed it. <laughs> I, 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 you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. It, Every time it's, it's like, oh gosh. And then you stand up and you kind of stretch back and okay, I got to wait a minute here. Yeah. But no, I was out in the garage, you know, doing my, going through my routine uh, that Preston gave me. And, and those, one of the, one of the exercises is just, you know, bent over, mm-hmm. bent over, uh, if like a deadlift, you know. Right. And uh, it, uh, the muscles from, from your low back clear up you know, about midways and your hamstrings, which, you know, those are, those are all tight too. Right. I know exactly what you're, <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> I know those, those phases you gotta go through to stand up yeah, because you can't. Man. Hurts. <laughs> and I, and I got, I mean, my, my glutes and my, and my legs, my thighs, I, this is a lot of muscle mass there. Right. So it's, you know, when they, when yeah. they start to work, <laughs> against things it's a lot <laughs> to work against them you know and it's just like okay but this is i'm solo hunting this year so it's like these oh. are things that i have to i got to be cognizant of and and working on even the last few days before a season because if there's a bull laying there i don't have i don't have help it's just it's all me you know so it's like man this is a. Uh, it was a good reminder you know it was more that came out of that buck than that meat i'll tell you that yeah, no, that's good because I, I oftentimes forget about that. I mean, I got my routine I go through, you know, all, all, all year long and it doesn't focus on, on those muscles that <laughs> where you're bent over, you know, mm-hmm. trying to feel the animal. It, it's just like anything else, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You get in, that's why you're supposed to change your routine up, right? So you, your body doesn't get used to those, those same movements all the time. But uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that, that is a good reminder. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to spend some time over the next couple of weeks, guy, focusing on Because <laughs> well, I do the bent over deads too, right? As I'll, I'll get my, yeah. my sandbag, it's like 80 pounds, and I'll do the bent over deadlifts. It, it yeah. still doesn't 
yes, it's strengthening that muscle, but it's, man, it's entirely different when you're just in that position and that muscle's yeah. like, wait, dude, you've been here for, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, you're moving around, but we stay low as we're moving. And it's just like, nope, stand, I'm, what I, my plan is to yeah. stand up and move instead of, you know, usually just stay over the animal and kind of drag the leg around, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yeah. oh, man, it's not going <laughs> to it's not going to work in this basin. <laughs> this basin that I'm going to drop into <laughs> is going to brutalize me enough. I don't want to have to deal with that going up that basin. You know, it's like, uh, uh-uh. yeah, it's like anything else. Where you got those kind of those those stationary, you know, whether it's wall sits or even, you know, holding your bow back yeah. for like, you know, those muscles that you, you, when you're bent over and you're in that position for length of time. You're not used to that, so that that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I, I will incorporate that into my my exercise over and, the next couple. Of and weeks. for the record, both Tony and I said we felt this 20 years ago. So it's not just <laughs> <laughs> it just gets worse as you get older. <laughs> <laughs> In, instead of two clicks up, it's four clicks. <laughs> and the next worse and longer right oh man <laughs> and it's funny because it did I, again this it's a little bit embarrassing right but this is just you know this is full transparency it lasted a little while right i mean i it was like okay got him dressed got him in the truck and i'm driving and i'm like oh man and uh what i did is i just hauled butt home drug him out to the tailgate and then i just did the rest in the driveway so i can drop him in the freezer and whatnot came back and butchered later but um, I felt it, dude. When I got to the house and I jumped out, I was like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. it's been ringing in my mind. I'm like, okay, that bull goes down, man. It's, it, I gotta stay, I gotta stay cognizant of it, you know, especially on the solo, man. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of meat to be packing out. And I definitely don't want to risk the animal because I'm, you know, I'm old man hurting, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, my wife's grandfather, 90, 90 years old, always used to tell me that growing old ain't for sissies. So there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, oh, it definitely isn't, man. You got to deal with that stuff on a daily basis. You can't be a sissy. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, um, well, brother, give us a closing, man. You know, any words of wisdom as folks are trekking out into September? Um and then let them know, you know, where they can find you on social, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know as far as any kind of closing words, I guess I'll just kind of go back to what I was saying earlier. And, and you know, when, when you're out in the woods, um, you know, take the time, the opportunity to just look around and, 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 and look at what's out in front of you, look at the creation and, and, and try to put things into perspective and, and, you know, if you got things that are stressing you out in your everyday life, at least the time that you spend in the woods, just take the opportunity to decompress and, and learn some things while you're out there. And, and when you come back to reality uh, and, and real life, uh, just remember that there's always somebody out there that's got it worse than you uh, you do. And, and uh, you know, just remember to put things in perspective and, and have a good time. So, okay. I'm sorry. I was going to close it. And I, I hope I'm not dragging this on too long, but no, I've, all right, I, I've heard this a few times over the last few months. And we say real life, when you come back to real life, when you come back to reality, and it's not just you. I've, I mean, it's been, I'm going to say a handful of times in the last few months. 
Where does that come from? Because on the mountain, what we've been talking about, that's as real as it gets. That is that is our that's part of our life. That is where we gain some some much needed perspective. So why do you yeah. why do we separate that? You know, I I think for me, guy, you know, like I said earlier, when I'm out in the woods, I I all the stuff that the the, the stress of every day, you know, whether it's I mean, living in a small town like this, I don't have to deal with a lot of the big city issues that people deal with. Um, so I have it as bad as other folks do. But but when I'm out in the woods, it doesn't matter what my problems are at home or in my life away from hunting at my job. I mean, I, I've got a, a job that's, that's gone through some transition here over the last couple of years. And a lot of us do COVID. You know, I mean, I think that's part of it, Guy. I think... Uh, you know, it, it, COVID has impacted everyone. It's not just, it's not just a few, it's impacted everyone. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so to be out in the woods and, 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 and get the opportunity to forget about that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what's really resonates with me. And when I say come back to reality, or come back to real life, like it's like going on any kind of vacation and you're out and enjoying yourself and you kind of forget about the struggles you might have, whether it's work or anything else. And you come back and all of a sudden you got to deal with that stuff again. So, but when I'm out in the woods, all that stuff goes away. You know, I don't, I don't think about it. I'm focused on, on something that, that I enjoy the, a passion that I have and, and spending time with, like I said, you know, like-minded people, my son, my, 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 my hunt partners. Um, it just, it, it's kind of a break from, from the, from the struggles or the stress that, that folks have in life. So, okay. So I'm going to challenge not only you, but I'm going to challenge the listenership that has that perspective for me. I want to think about those things because it allows me to reflect on whether or not they're that important to cause me a stress or to feel like it's a, a constant tribulation on the day to day. Um, I'll think about it. And, and when I'm out there and I'm this big on the mountain and the mountain is beating me down and it's just like, look, man, you got it to get through this, right? Cause it's physical and it's mental. Yeah. But for me, it's always mental first, right? I can go yeah. through the physicality. And I, and I've, Literally over the last few years, I've challenged myself to really focus in on the things that are, you know, woeing me, if you will, and put them in perspective in terms of what I'm going through on the mountain. And I tell you what, man, I'm not going to say I don't have bad days and I'm not going to say that I don't stress out. But when I when I think about it and I'm able to 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 relate one to the other in those moments on the mountain, it's just like dude, what are you, what are you worried about? You know, what are yeah. you worried about? You, you, the, the biggest challenge that, that you faced this year was September 13th when you decided you were going to climb 3,200 feet and you <laughs> wanted to quit every 40 steps. Right. And, and it just, it's really helped me to reflect on those things in my life, bring them to the mountain with me and leave them on the mountain and yeah. come hell or high water. And and my wife will attest to this. I'm like, I'll tell her, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I said I was leaving that on the mountain. I'm not going there. I'm not going. It, it's, 
it's been a godsend in my life when I when I started to look at it that way. So I just figured I'd you know throw that out there. Just just my perspective, well, my experience. No, that's that's an interesting perspective, guy. And and I think um, you know something I can learn uh, learn from you about because I I think you're right. I mean, all in all these whether it's whether it's climbing that mountain or something you got going on in your life that's that's traumatic or, or stressful or whatever. You know, when you look about it, look at it maybe a little differently. You, you can say that once you get through that, you're a stronger person, right? Yes, sir. So I can I can totally relate to what you're saying, and and that's probably something that that I should do <clears throat> um, to, to to keep things in perspective. Because you're right. You know, you, if you can take some of that stuff out with you and try to relate that to the experience you get to have uh, out in the woods. I could see where you might find some balance there. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, I, like I say, for me, man, it's been it's been a godsend, you know. Yeah. You know, and you just again, you know, hey, thank you for the opportunity and ability. And it's just, I, I got to go back to that every single time. I mean, it it starts to sound like a broken record, but what am I complaining about? You know what I mean? What what am I complaining yeah. about? I asked for this job through my hard work. I asked for the promotion through my hard work. What am I complaining about? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've really, and, and, and it's not an easy thing and none of us are perfect, but it really has, it really has broadened my horizon in terms of how I view things. And the goal is to always be, and we hear it a lot, but, and I feel like it, it becomes like this cliche um, to be a better person than I was the day before. But when you hold these things truly hold these things in that perspective, I'm able to work towards that on a daily basis if I'm cognizant of it. I don't want to forget about it because that's the stuff that made me the man I am today. You know, yep. so. Great point. That's a great point. You're, you're spot on. Thanks. See? See, I hope that helps. <laughs> hope it helps, you know. And, and not everybody has the same stressors, but man, if you could get rid of, get rid of four of them and not care, you know, you're only carrying six instead of 10, then, yeah. then you, you know, you've done something to better, to better your existence here, man. And the better we are for ourselves, the better we are for everyone around us. And, and you know, what, what, what gets, what's better than that when you realize it, you know, if you're, if you're, if folks are finding benefit in you, dude, we've done what we're here to do. You know, we've spread yeah. what we're here to spread. So that's my message Thanks. for September. Been like a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I'm, man, the, just the things that, that I've come off the mountain with. Um, when, Like you said, early on, you don't think about any of that, right? I'm there to kill and that's it. And when you stop and you take that breath and you realize what's in front of you, like, good Lord. Like, I... Yeah. I don't deserve 10 days, 30 days in this. I, I, I really don't feel like I'm deserving of that. You know, it's yeah. amazing. You get it. I got these flat tops behind me, the White River National Forest. And we were up there with my little girl, her boyfriend, my wife. And we pull up on this lake up at 10,400 feet. And they jump out and they're, you know, running up like, oh, my. And, and I... I I was almost in tears. Like one, I'm up there with my family, but then two yeah. to pull up, I'm going to send you a picture of it to pull up yeah, on this lake and to see this in the high country on this, this flat top. 
it, man, it was it was beyond. It was beyond any experience that that when you when you're looking up on that mountain that you even think is possible. You know what I mean? It's just it's unbelievable, man. Where I think we're we're beyond blessed to be able to to go experience this stuff, man. Especially yeah, chasing bulls around. That, absolutely, I think when you get to that point in your life guy where you can you can look at things that way it's a sign of maturity and it doesn't matter whether you're you know just starting out in hunting and you're you know 18 years old or you're younger or whatever or you're our age you know if you can if you can re- start to realize what's really important in life it that's it, a it's a it's a sure sign of maturity you've reached that point where you can like you said earlier just put things into perspective and realize mm-hmm. what's important yeah man well brother so, i uh I didn't mean to drag us on, um, but I greatly appreciate the time and opportunity, man, to have you on. I wish you the best in the woods um, and, and, you know, your endeavors uh, on the stage. <laughs> we need to do this again after season, man. No, I, I look, I look forward to that. I, uh, yeah, I, this has been a, this has been a great time. I really appreciate uh, you taking your time to, to talk through this. I, I, I mean, I love talking about this stuff. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to do it anytime. And as far as Instagram goes, uh, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just getting into this, this whole Instagram stuff, you know? So the, you know, the bearded elk whisperer, I I'll have, um, I'm going to try to take some, some photos out in the woods this year for, uh, something to post and maybe some videos. And, and, uh, so, um, Good luck uh, this is research. <laughs> 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 It's there's a lot to it, and, and it, <laughs> it sounds like there's a bit of a learning curve. So <laughs> we'll we'll see how I do. Yeah, you got you got our buddy uh, Jermaine on your team, so I think you'll be fine with it. That dude is awesome, man. I he's he is. I don't know if I've met anyone as energetic as that guy, and and just I mean, he's been a great help for me, and and. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean to drag this on anymore, but we already have guy, but I just want to say he's that, that dude is, is something else. Yeah, he's next level, man. really, I really appreciate the, the friendship that we've developed and all because I went to that contest uh, and meeting guys like you too. It's, it's, uh, it's been a great, a, a great opportunity and I appreciate it. Heck yeah, brother. Will you take care, man? Again, best of luck this, uh, this season, man. I hope you, uh, you guys knock them down. You too, buddy. Take care. Bye. All right, brother. Yeah.